And so, uh, listen, there's quite a process you have to go through in the city of Atascadero to do these types of things. And so this Thursday at 2 p.m., there is going to be a design review committee where they are basically just going over the design of what we are proposing. And this meeting is open up to the public. And so if you would like to come out and to support us in that, we'll be the first on the agenda. So hopefully it'll be from 2 to 2, 10. It'll probably be a little longer than that. But if you want to come out and support that, and even uh, there's a, an open forum, if, if you just even want to lend support, just saying, hey, I you know, believe in the project and those sorts of things, can be nice and short and sweet. encourage you to do that. If you would like to write a letter, that is really good as well. If the closer you live to the fellowship here even, the better. So those things could be presented. We do already have one letter of opposition. Uh, and so, uh, you know what, th- this is something we really plan. We think it's going to be a real blessing to the neighborhood. And uh, it's going to be, it's well put together. You don't even see this thing. It's going to be surrounded by trees and so forth. And uh, everything that's going on here is just going to continue. And yet it will be closed in and, and kids won't be tripping over chipping and uh, so forth because it's nice out there yet at the same time if you've ever uh, ran around out there or whatever it's 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 a it's a little little uneven and so forth so uh, be keeping it in prayer and then after this the Lord willing there will be a planning commission meeting and if that uh, is approved then we will turn in the actual plans for the building and then at approval of those uh, the Lord willing we'll get this thing built and it will be a blessing to our church and to our neighborhood here and to our community because that's our aim and all of it. So be keeping that in prayer and just take note of that. If you have questions, you can talk to me or one of the elders after service or give a call down this week. But again, we've talked a lot about this and so forth. So let's get into God's word here. Psalm chapter 37. Again, we're picking it up in verse 21. And this morning we are going to continue to see these differences between the righteous and the wicked. And now as we go through this, we can't stress enough What's the difference between the righteous and the wicked? I'm sure if we begin to ask people, what's the difference between the righteous and the wicked, we would get all kinds of definitions and ideas and so forth. But the Bible makes it very clear. Listen, those that are righteous, those that have right standing with God Almighty, it is because of the last three words, or the last four words in this psalm, it says, well, we'll go with the last four words, they trust in Him. That's why. We're in right standing with God Almighty, putting our faith, putting our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Righteousness, again, right standing with God. Those that are deemed wicked by the Scripture are not in right standing with God Almighty because they are in their sin. They have not come to Christ and humbled their heart and asked forgiveness and asked for Jesus Christ to be their Lord and their Savior. There's some in that camp that are trusting in their good works. There's some that are just in denial that want to deny that there is even a God and so forth. There's others that are just embracing their sin and saying, I don't want to turn from this. There's other people that are in a place where they are just kind of clueless to the whole thing and they're not even considering any of this, but what they have in common is they have not bent knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And because they are still in their sin, they are still deemed being in a place of wickedness by God Almighty who is holy, by God Almighty who loved us so much that even in our rebellion, he sent his son Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life to take the wrath due us by a just God and then defeated sin and death and Satan when he rose from the grave. And so that's the difference. So when it talks about the righteous here, it's talking about those with faith in the Lord. In the Old Testament, it was for those that had faith in the coming Messiah who recognized they were sinners, who needed a Savior. And for us today, it's those that have recognized I'm a sinner and I put faith in Jesus Christ to be my Savior, to be my Lord. I have absolutely turned from my own lordship I acknowledge him as the Lord of my life, and thus I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That is the difference. And so in this chapter, again, we see a lot of insights. We see a lot of proclamation of truth concerning the righteous and, again, the wicked, concerning these two ways. And listen, bottom line, there's only two ways. There's the way of the Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way, and in that way, life is found. And then Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right to a man, and the end of that way is death. And I'll tell you, in that way that seems right to a man, there's many people that 
they have their way and someone else has their way and they're even opposed to each other but if they're not in the way of the Lord those folks are actually in the same way whether they know it or not they're in a place where they're still in their sin and this is why listen we need to be making our aim to make the proclamation of his way the priority of our lives and be a people that are known because we walk in the way of the Lord versus any other way that we would put above the way of the Lord. And I think this is important because we are living in a time where there are many people that are proclaiming their way. And again, have you noticed that there are many, many splinters that are happening in our nation at a just a, an incredible rate where there's these different groups and so forth that are opposed to one another proclaiming their way but again if their way is not first and foremost proclaiming the way of the Lord those people are actually in the same way it's important for us to know this to get proper perspective Jesus said in Matthew seven thirteen, enter by the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it he says the way of the Lord is difficult. Why? You ever think about that? Is it difficult because of everything we have to do to earn favor with God? You know why it's difficult? Because men have to humble their hearts and get on their knees and say, he is the way, the truth, and the life. That's the thing that makes it difficult. And our pride and our arrogance and our rebellion. And yet God gives grace to the humble. And when we actually humble our hearts, it is incredibly easy. He stands ready to wash us, cleanse us, and so forth. And so as we go through this, again, we're going to see encouragement for those that are in a place of righteousness with God Almighty. Encouragement, we get insight concerning our future and so forth. And then again, we're reminded of the eternal fate for those that die in their sin, that die in their wickedness. And that should stir our hearts to pray for those folks. That should stir our hearts absolutely to share the gospel with those folks. It should stir our hearts all the more to wanting to be abounding in the way of the Lord, to be set apart, to be salt and light, to bring even more credibility to the gospel that we are proclaiming. And listen, as we go through this, if your faith is in Christ this morning, and you can say confidently, yes, Jesus is my Savior, He is my Lord, He is the way, we need to examine our hearts to make sure that our lives are more reflective of the Lord than those that have shunned the Lord. And if there's areas that light is shining in our life that shows we are not reflecting the Lord, then let's bring that before God today and humble our hearts and get our minds renewed. Amen? So we're going to go through this a few verses at a time. That's about all the recap I'm going to do with last week. And last week, if you weren't with us, that message is on CD, it's online, it's on podcasts, it's, it's, it's all over the place. It's, it's out there in the cyber world and so forth. So we're going to take a few verses at a time and make our way. We're going to spend a little bit more time on the first two verses because again, it, once again, we're going to use this to set the tone for where we've been and where we're going. So notice 21 and 22. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For, ble- for those blessed of him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed of him shall be cut off. And we see that repeated throughout this. Those blessed of him, the righteous will inherit the earth, but those cursed of him or the wicked will be cut off. It's proclaimed over and over and over again through this chapter and through the Word of God. There's some people who don't like that. They say, I don't like the fact that my way will be cut off just because I don't bend knee to His way. And yet this is the truth of the Scriptures. This is the authority of God, His Word established in heaven that He will not waver concerning. And we need to know this because we're living in an age where there's many, many deceivers that are trying to absolutely downplay the gospel of Jesus Christ and the judgment of God Almighty. And the scripture says, do not be deceived concerning these matters. Now again, notice here, the wicked, those not in Christ, they borrow and they do not repay. Now listen, there are many times when people who don't know Christ borrow something from you or borrow money from the bank and they pay it back. Not always the case. There are some individuals that borrow and as they're actually borrowing it from you in the back of their mind, they're saying, this is mine, I'm never giving it back to them. Have you ever had one of those experiences where it seems like that? And in that case, when those things are deliberate, absolutely, there is lying, stealing, and selfishness involved in that. And outside of Christ, our lives are marked by lying, stealing, and selfishness, and the wages of those sins is death 
But again, Romans 6.23, the gift of God's eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I think this speaks more, though, of individuals, whether they know it or not, that have been given life from God Almighty that is required of us to lay down back to Him. Because hear this this morning, all that we have is given to us on loan from God Almighty, including our life, including our soul. All of it ultimately belongs to Him. And yes, we're saved through the free gift of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's only the free gift that will cost you. Are you ready for this? It will cost you your life. Jesus said in Mark 8, 35, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. So the Lord gives us life. It's given to us on loan because absolutely God's the one that gave us that life in the first place and it was given to Adam to absolutely glorify God with it. And yet when it is not taken and laid down at the feet of Jesus Christ, absolutely that life will be cut off from God Almighty and His glory forever and ever and ever. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. And so when we pass away again, this body goes back to the earth. At the second coming of Christ, these bodies will be resurrected and transformed. What a glorious day that will be. Yet those that do not know Him, again, their body goes to the earth as well, and all of our spirits go to be judged by God. Those that know the Lord, again, to be absent from the bodies, to be present from the Lord. And again, those that their spirit has been kept for themselves is then cut off from God under his wrath for all of eternity. And that's a very sobering thought. It is a truthful word as declared in the scriptures. Now he says here though about the righteous. And again, the righteous are those with faith in God Almighty and Christ Jesus. That's the only thing that gives us right standing with God. The righteous shows mercy and he gives Later on, again, it talks about lending. This is a lot about lending and borrowing. So the righteous shows mercy and he gives. He gives to those that want to borrow. He lends to those who want to borrow. And the righteous is blessed and the righteous shall inherit the earth. Now again, we're called to give. We're called to lend. We're not called to enable. We need to know that. These things are balanced. The word of God says if one does not work, that one should not eat. Now, there's some people who want to work, but they can't work. That's not what that's being spoke of. There's some who absolutely want to work, but they can't find work. That is different as well. And so we need to have a balanced approach in this. But this is talking more about the heart of the righteous, that they should have a generous heart. These should be a place where they are quick to show mercy. They are quick to lend. They are quick to give. Because the Lord has, again, shown us mercy, has he not? He has given to us. He has again lent to us, so to speak. Jesus said in Luke 6.35, but love your enemies, do good. And notice he says, and lend or give. And then he says, hoping for nothing in return. That stings a bit, doesn't it? When you lend to somebody, when you give to somebody, do you walk away saying, you know, I really hope I don't get any of that back. A lot of times we lend and we put all these stipulations, you better make sure you give me that back plus. Or we expect, you know, not only that back, but you need to go sing my praises to everyone around you. But the Lord says we should lend hoping for nothing in return. But it doesn't stop there. Because Jesus also said, and Paul quotes him in Acts 20, 35 saying this, It is more blessed to give than receive. And the natural man would say, well, how are you more blessed if you lend, if you give away what is yours, not expecting to get anything back? You know what? How could you be more blessed in that? Well, we see in Scripture, again, Luke 6, 35, where Jesus says, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And then notice what he says next, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. So he says, listen, as you have a heart of generosity that reflects the generous heart of God Almighty, you and I will be greatly, greatly blessed. Absolutely, our reward will be great. 
Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one as he is, give as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And when we are a generous people, God loves that. When we are a generous people, actually, absolutely, as we sow bountifully, we reap bountifully. And I'll tell you, as we are generous with the mercy that God has given to us, we even receive mercy upon mercy. Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And listen, the more I learn about the mercy of God, the more I learn about the grace of God, the more, Lord willing, that I am growing in the Lord. Listen, I haven't come to a place where I say, man, I'm in a much different place than I was 25 years ago or however long it was when I came to God Almighty's adult. So I really don't need as much mercy or grace. I'm going to tell you, as I grow into more, the more I realize I need more mercy. I need more of the grace of God. And so I do not want to be stingy with the mercy that God has given to me. I want to extend it to others. And I think the mark of a man or a woman who is righteous by faith in the Lord, and evidence of that is that they become more generous. They become more merciful with those around us. Again, it's not enabling sin. It doesn't say I'm merciful so I won't deal with sin and rebellion, but it's dealing with it in the right and proper way with the hope that that individual would even come to repentance. It's not about our vindication or our justification or anything like that. Notice as well, he says here, for those blessed of him shall inherit the earth. We are going to inherit the new heaven and the new earth. We talked about this last week. Listen, this world, as beautiful as it is, came under a curse when man sinned in the garden. Go read about it in the book of Genesis. And listen, the evidence of it is all around us. This earth, you know what, it travails in, in, in longing for the second coming of the Lord and be freed from this curse that man put it under when he sinned and death set into this world. We know there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth that we will inherit where there'll be no sorrow, no tears, no pain, no suffering, and a, perf- a place of perfect peace and contentment with God Almighty forever and ever. We're going to inherit that. We're going to inherit it sooner than later. The scripture says we are going to inherit all things. So listen, there is no need to be hoarders and misers here on earth. Because the Bible even says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And we got to acknowledge what God has given to me here is to be used for his glory there. And even the more I use it for his glory there, I even gain more eternal blessings and rewards there. And so it's foolish to have a selfish and a stingy heart, a heart that does not extend the mercy that God has given to us to others. God's not glorified in that. God is not pleased with that because he loves a cheerful giver. And on top of that, absolutely, we lose out on rewards and we lose out on the bountiful blessing that God wants to pour out on the righteous as these things should be marked in our life and we should be growing in these things. But again, those that are cursed, they're going to be cut off. Those that are still in their sin. And listen, if you have not bent knee to Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter what your stance are in A, B, C, and D. And boy, there's a lot of things going on in our world today that everyone wants to take a stance in. And if you don't agree with them, they're offended and they're going to go cry and whine and just cut you off. It's like an epidemic, is it not? It is sad to watch. I really think the enemy's hand is over the bulk of it. Because he knows Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. And so many of these things are even so petty and so, so shallow and so forth. And some of them are more weighty, but there is nothing more weighty than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when man's, men give their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, their mind begins to be renewed and they begin to think by God Almighty. And then that's where you can find true unity. And praise God, in that new heaven and new earth, there will be true unity. But those that are still in their sin, under the curse of the law, they're going to be cut off from God forever and ever and ever if they die in that sin. Now again, I know a lot of people don't like to hear that today. A lot of people are offended by that. Not only outside the church, but even in the church. As this 
lie of universalism has become so popular today where everyone's just going to go to heaven. No, God's going to honor your decision here on earth for all of eternity. And if you want to shun Jesus as Lord and be your own Lord, you will be cut off from God Almighty forever and ever, ever. And yet you will be under his wrath forever and ever and ever. The good news again is that Jesus became a curse for us so that we could be freed from the curse. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that they might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Outside of Christ, we are under the law, and listen, that is a curse because the law shows that we are all sinners. The, the, the law says, thou shalt not lie. Has anyone in this room ever told a lie before? If you say, not me, you are a liar. <laughs> Go through that law. We've grossly transgressed it over and over and over and over. And under that law, we are under a curse because God's standard is utter perfection. Jesus Christ lived a utterly perfect life, a sinless life. He went to the cross to take the wrath do us upon himself, and he defeated sin, death, Satan. He defeated that curse when he rose through from the grave, and when we put our trust in him, we are no longer under that curse. Now we are under the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are in right standing with God Almighty. If you have not called on him, today is the day of salvation, and it is time even right now where you sit to humble your heart and ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. 23 and 24, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Now, who is a good man? Again, Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 10.12, there is none who does good, no, not one. Our goodness, again, is not found in ourself, but goodness, like righteousness, comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Because now we are seen through the life of the Lord, and we are deemed good, where before we were deemed bad or sinful or wicked. And then from there, God has called us now to walk in that goodness, to abound in that goodness. It's not his hope that we would just get saved through putting our faith in Christ, but we need to understand now there's a call to walk in Christ. And as we walk in Christ and as we abide in Christ, then the fruits of the Spirit of God are going to begin to be manifest to the glory of God of Christ. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Notice here, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And notice here, the steps of a good man are the steps of a righteous man, because again, a good man is a man that has been made good before God through faith in Christ. His steps are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Again, let me ask you, are you in Christ Jesus today? Can you say amen to that? then your steps are ordered by the Lord. So as our steps are ordered by the Lord, let's not get upset when we don't like the direction of our steps. Is this saying that when I deliberately rebel against God as one with faith in the Lord, I can say, well, these are ordered by the Lord as I go over here to do my thing. No, that's not what this is saying. But this is declaring here, even when we get into those places, God in that will be faithful to us and he will still direct our steps back to him because he allows us to have our free will while building us and blessing us and restraining us, redirecting us, correcting us, protecting us, and ultimately bringing us home. Again, indeed, he works all things for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose and notice here, he delights in our way all along the way because when we put our faith in him, we are grafted into Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. And then notice, look at this great encouragement, verse 24, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. Proverbs twenty four sixteen: for a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. There's been times in my walk with Christ where I have fallen. Where practically we are trying to walk in the uprightness of God. And really if we are going to be honest and go by the standard of God, all of us 
and of ourselves daily fall short. The Apostle Paul said, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. We have fallen. And yet the Lord picks us up. It's just like real life. You come out of that womb and it seems you start falling down, right? Raising four kids. Watch all of them try to learn to walk and watch all of them fall down several times. My son fell down once and he didn't try again for about four months. He just rolled everywhere. <laughs> falling down is not fun. And again, when we come to Christ, we're born again, right? So we're a new creation in Christ. The Bible says we're a babe in Christ. So now it's a process of learning to walk in the Lord. And there are times when we fall down in our own way and going back to our own way and so forth. But the Lord absolutely picks us up. We will not be utterly cast down. I love Micah 7, 8. It says, do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Isn't that good? He's faithful when we're faithless. And again, he delights in upholding us in his hand. Notice here, 25 and 26. I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. So we know that David is older as he is writing this. And he declares, listen, I'm old now, but once I was young. And there's some of us that can really relate to this more than others. You're like, I'm old and I once was young. And if you haven't, Lord willing, the day will come when you will say, I'm old and I was once young. But in all of it, and all that he has seen, and all that he has observed, and all the wide variety of places and positions and so forth where he has been, and all of it, he says, I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. David had seen the faithfulness of God in his own life, whether it was him going out to face a giant as a young man, whether it was him fleeing from Saul for 10 years in the wilderness, whether it was him leading the armies of Israel out against the enemies of God, or even him when he fell with Bathsheba, when he fell concerning her husband Uriah the Hittite, when he fell when in his pride he numbered the children of Israel for his glory and not for the glory of God. God was still faithful to him in those times as well. Isn't that an awesome thing? What an awesome God we serve. The Lord tells us in Matthew 28, verse 20, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, amen, or so be it. Or that's the final authority. And that's something to rejoice in. Because I strongly believe that we are very near to the end of this age, to the end of this dissipation. Dispensation. Thank you. And he says, I am with you, notice here, always. Always. Even when we fall, he is there with us to pick us up. What an awesome God that we serve. Maybe this morning you are in Christ and you're in a place where you're like, I have fallen and in myself I can't get up. You can't, but the Lord has his hand extended saying, get up my son, get up my daughter. Let's move forward in the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, he always provides for our needs. David says here, I haven't seen the descendants of the righteous begging for bread. Philippians 4.19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Again, he supplies our needs. That doesn't necessarily mean our wants. And there's a lot of people that get angry with God because they said, I want A, B, C, and D, and yet I'm not getting A, B, C, and D. He said he will supply our needs, and he also says, I'm going to direct your steps in a better way. And so let's rejoice that he provides for our needs in directing our steps in the best and proper way. And let's rejoice that when it's time to go home again, he has provided the way because he is the door. Notice as well what it says here. He is ever merciful and lends and his descendants are blessed. Now this speaks again of the righteous because God has been ever merciful to us and lends and is given to us then again, we are to be ever merciful as well and lend to others as well because we are called to reflect our Lord and our Savior. And then he also says his descendants are blessed. We've talked often about generational curses. 
Certain sins that are passed down from generation to generation with that familiar spirits, demonic spirits passed down from generation to generation. But see, the righteous are called to raise their descendants in the righteousness of Lord. And the Bible also talks about generational blessings. And it talks about the Holy Spirit of God. And so let's rejoice in that. And let's rejoice that as the righteous in Christ Jesus, the Lord has called us to raise our family in the righteousness of God, and then we can stand in the confidence of the blessings and promises of God that He has given to us. 27 through 29, He says, Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake His saints. They are preserved forever. But the descendants, notice here again, of the wicked shall be cut off. And notice again, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. So in the midst of this, there is a call to repentance. Depart from evil and do good and dwell in the land forevermore. So this is a call to those in their sin, in their wickedness, to turn from evil. And again, it is an evil thing to shun the gospel of Jesus Christ and say, I am my own Lord. He says to turn from that and do good. Do good in calling on the name of the Lord and putting your faith in him, and then you will dwell forevermore through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Listen, this is also a call for the righteous to now abound in righteousness. To depart from evil means to turn evil off. It means to withdraw from it. And we live in a very evil age that God is calling us out of. He's called us to be in it, but not to be of it. And there's so many evil influences in our life that we really need to begin to turn off, that all the more, again, we would be found doing good and walking in the goodness of God Almighty. He says to do this because the Lord loves justice. Justice is when there is an upright verdict that is brought forth. So again, to the wicked individual that would say, I'll do what I want, and I want to believe that God just is going to let me off and it's all going to be good they need to stop right there because god loves justice and he is a just judge no one rejoices when a gross transgressor of the law is let off by a judge they say justice was not served that is not a day of rejoicing but when gross transgressors of the law are served a proper sentence by a just judge everyone rejoices and see god is just and god loves justice So it's all the more reason why the wicked need to repent and it's all the more reason why we need to rejoice in the Lord because he has justified us through the shed blood of his son. And not only has done that, he has heaped on us promises that he won't forsake us, that we are preserved forever, that though the descendants of the wicked are cut off, the righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. We have great promises in the Lord. Now notice 30 and 31. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide again. Followers of Jesus are called to follow Jesus, and we are called to be a people of the book, a people of the word of God. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and these words which I command to you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand, and these shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and of your gates. And listen, as his word gets into our heart, then out of our mouth we begin to proceed wisdom and justice and the word of God and so forth. Let me ask you, what comes out of your mouth during the week? Is there glory to God coming out of your mouth? Is there truth of the word of God coming out of your mouth? Does the gospel of Christ ever come out of your mouth? Is there wisdom that comes out of your mouth? Or is there a continual flow of foolishness? I know this outside of Christ, outside of abiding in his word, that's the natural thing that's going to spew So it's all the more we want to be found in him. We want to be found in the word of God that we would look different. We would be ambassadors of Christ that, again, aren't spewing our opinion like the Laodicean church. But instead, we are putting forth the word of truth. Our culture needs the word of God. Your brothers and sisters here need the word of God. We need to be encouraging one another with the word of God, the promises of God, the truth of God, and so forth. 
notice here again the righteous none of his steps so slide because we are on good footing in the Lord Jesus Christ 32 and 33 the wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him but notice here the Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged boy the world we're living in we read in first John's under the sway of the wicked one and I think the wicked one is getting more and more of a stranglehold on this fallen world. And we see more and more of an opposition of the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, the people of God. And when I say that again, by grace through faith in the Lord. The gospel of Jesus Christ, it seems that it's at an all-time high when it comes to offensiveness or offending people. And it seems there is a growing anger and grudge to try to slay and cut off the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ in any that would stand in it. This is something new to a lot of people in our nation to a degree. Again, we've had a very blessed run here as a nation for many, many years. When it comes to the proclamation of Jesus, it doesn't mean in that time that there weren't oppositions and so forth, but this country is beginning to be more reflective of pretty much the fallen state of the world since the beginning where there's a great hostility against the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to rejoice in that. To the sense of, we count it blessing if we're spoken of as evil if we're standing in the things of God Almighty. And understanding, listen, that's not a mark of unrighteousness if folks seek to slay us because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a mark of righteousness. And we need to change our thinking in that. But notice here, though they seek to slay, and we may even be in that hand that's going to slay us, the Lord won't leave us in that hand, and he won't condemn us when we are judged. And there is more of a condemnation, again, coming upon the church or those that stand in the truth of God's word, a condemnation that you're narrow-minded, you're bigoted, you are the problem and so forth, but we will not be condemned by God Almighty. We have right standing with God Almighty. And Christ, listen, Jesus said in John 5, 24, most assuredly I say to you, he hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come in judgment but is passed from death to life. In Christ, we won't come into judgment because Christ has been judged for us and Christ has been found righteous. So these are things we need to rest in. We need to rejoice in. We need to have an eternal perspective concerning these things and really understand what's going on around us. 34 through 36, wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall exalt you, again, notice here, to inherit the land. Notice again, when the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. And then David says, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. So again, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of the wicked, trying to snuff out the righteous, trying to snuff out the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are told to wait on the Lord and keep his way. This is a call to be patient, knowing God is faithful God's word is established, instead of panicking, instead of, you know what, getting anxious, instead of worrying, instead of, remember last week, we're called not to fret evildoers, he says, be patient, wait on the Lord, just continue to walk in his way, because you're going to see all this play out, you're going to see prophecy played out, you're going to see the wicked being judged, you're going to see them cut off. You're going to see the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and God dealing with this rebellion. So again, all the more, let's pray for these folks and let's be salt and light to them. Let's try to point them to God Almighty because indeed he absolutely is coming soon. And then David says, I've seen these individuals, these wicked in great power. And listen, there are a lot of wicked individuals that are in great power in the world today. And listen, let's remember, God's standard of wickedness is faith in Jesus Christ. So no matter where you stand on the political spectrum, if that individual that you say, that's my guy, is not his guy, the Bible says, then they are wicked. 
It also says we are to pray for all these guys and gals. And again, it's amazing how many individuals stand in their way, and their way opposes this way, but neither of them walk in the way of the Lord, so they're actually in the same way. Again, it's happening all over around us. My way, my way, and most of those ways rooted in pride, and yet neither of them are in the way of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to rise up above all this nonsense and these shenanigans that are going on around us. Amen? We need to see the bigger picture. He says, I've seen wicked men in great power spreading themselves like native green trees. I think of Nebuchadnezzar, who actually came after David when Daniel was in a place of captivity and yet used by the Lord in governments and so forth. And King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, he was even warned, you need to give glory to God. And yet, he said, look at me and look at my great kingdom. And he was chopped down literally for seven years. You can read about in the book of Daniel. Grew feathers, so to speak, like the birds of the air because his hair became matted together and was like a madman. And at the end of that time, he came out of it and he humbled his heart and he said, I am nothing to God be the glory. Don't get frustrated when there are wicked individuals in great power spreading themselves like a native green tree saying this is the way things are going to be. They are going to get chopped down very, very soon because God Almighty has put his king, Jesus Christ, there in Zion who will rule and reign forever and ever and ever. 37 and 38, Mark the blameless man, observe the upright And again, this speaks of those with faith in Christ. The only way we are blameless is through him. The only way we are upright through him. But notice what it says. And this says this about you if you are in Christ. The future of that man is peace. Your future is peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, but the transgressors shall be destroyed. Notice here, together. Together. They are on the same road. Even if on that same road, they are fighting on that same road. They're still together because they are not in Christ and they will be destroyed together. The future of the wicked, again, shall be cut off. Those that reject them have, reject the Lord, have a horrific future before them. And sadly, most of them are, both, are blinded by the day-to-day activity and their little campaigns and so forth. So many are more concerned with saving up for retirement, yet never considering their eternity. Because the enemy has done such a good job in blinding men and making it his aim to keep them short-sighted and to put hope in wishful thinking and whatever they deem is okay. Deuteronomy 32.28 The Lord said this concerning Israel when they were in a place of rebellion. We're talking about in the future they would be in a place of rebellion. He says, for they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this. And then he says that they would consider their latter end. And we read about the latter end of those that want to shun the Lord. Finally, 39 and 40. But the salvation of the righteous, notice here, is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. So again, our righteousness is not of ourself. We don't earn it. We don't establish it. Our righteousness is, again, from the Lord, and we partake of it from the Lord when we do what? When we trust in the Lord. That's what separates the righteous from the wicked. The righteous have humbled their heart, and they said, I'm no longer going to trust in myself, the God of my own belly. My motto is no longer do as thou wilt, but absolutely do as you would want to do the Lord, Lord according to your word. I put my trust in you to be my Lord and my Savior and to be my God and because we trust in him again we have righteousness the Lord helps us the Lord strengthens us the Lord delivers us again he is our strength in time of trouble 
Times of trouble abound all around us. He never cuts bait, but he is always there to undergird us, to strengthen us, to help us. Let him strengthen you by leaning on him and looking to him, the author and finisher of your faith. Let's stand up and close in prayer. Well, Lord, indeed, we praise you this morning and we thank you once again for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word and the promises of your word. Lord, let us be a people found with an eternal perspective, God. Lord, as we look at all the things unfolding around us, God, let us look at it through the proper biblical lens, I pray, God, that we can be a people abounding in your goodness. So, Lord, we know for that to be the case, we have to be found a people abiding in you. Wash our feet this morning, God. Renew our minds today through your word. Strengthen our faith this morning to trust in you, God. Lord, as we read about your great goodness and love towards us here, I pray in return we would love you more, God. And as you've sent your son to die for us when we were in our sin and our wickedness and when we are, were in rebellious, uh, rebellion against you, Lord, I pray, God, that we would have a heart and a love for those that don't know you, God. And especially for those that don't know you that even and even all the more stand in their way that opposes us so much that we don't stand for God. Let us remember these people are loved by you and you want to see them come to know you. Help us in these things, Lord. We need your help. We need your healing. We need, God, the transformation and renewing of our minds, God. If you don't know the Lord again, today's the day of salvation. You've heard the gospel over and over and over and over. Oh, don't shun your God. Don't shun the one who shed his blood for you. I can't encourage you enough to humble your heart and call upon Christ today and ask him to be your Lord and Savior. He will meet you where you are at. Lord, we want to lift our voices to you right now. We want to glorify you. We want to praise you. Help us in doing that. Let's lift our voices to the Lord as we close here.
sing, Holy is the Lamb. some of the prayer counselors to come up and there's folks up here that would love to pray with you if you gave your life to the Lord today I want to encourage you to come up as well we'd love to pray with you put a Bible in your hands and listen there's food out there that's been made and prayed for go out and enjoy that and bless someone before you leave today God bless you